Now, this is a fun one, ladies and gentlemen. This was a fun one. Today, I have the love of my life, Emily Harpole, as well as one of my favorite people in the world, Bell Bryant. And so the two of them join me in today's episode, and we have just a great conversation about the war on women and just progressivism and the sexual revolution and all kinds of crazy stuff that's just kind of taken our world by storm over the last 60 to 100 years and has really changed the landscape of so many things. And so we share our personal experiences with sexual sin, from pornography to um, sex uh, before marriage to all types of different things, um, sexual abuse and all types of stuff. So it's a deep, um, difficult conversation, but was still a fun one. Um, it's encouraging, it's hopeful, it's informative. And so I hope you really enjoy it. If you like it, share it with your friends. As always, it's always helpful if you subscribe. We love it, love it, love it. If you'd leave us a review, only takes a second. Share this with your friends if you think it's helpful. God bless you. You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You are not made to make excuses. time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. Boom. What is happening, ladies? I mean, what a pleasure and honor it is to have <laughs> my love, Emily Harpole, and my good friend, Bella Bryant, on the same podcast. <laughs> How are you guys? Doing great. How are you? Good. Is that good. what you're going to go with the low voice? Should I go with the, oh, no, was good. Good. <laughs> I was just like, blow it. Doing great. That was so cute. At the end of the day, Aww, I'm honey. tired. <laughs> Stop bragging on her. <laughs> there you go. Now you got to rap. Now you got to rap. You're welcome. Yeah, you got someone to defend you here. Um, That's right. Nice. I'm so stoked to be doing this podcast with you guys. It's like so heavy on my heart to be talking about this topic. So I'm stoked. Amen. Yeah, you two are both super passionate about women and about sexual morality and all this stuff and the trauma that people face when you know sexual immorality takes place in our mm-hmm. lives. Um, so it's great to have you. And you're two of our, our listeners' favorites. You know, two of our most popular podcasts oh, yeah. of all time. Uh, you know, you guys have both done multiple podcasts with Seeking Excellence. So <laughs> now we got the powerhouse duo. We love it. Seriously. I'm just this better like knock all of the other ones off the charts then. That's right. The odds are in our favor. <laughs> you think yeah. so. Yeah. So that's what we're banking on. That's what we're banking on. And I think this is the only time I've done one 
like on my own kind of when I was with the culture project, Bella and I did a oh, culture project live together. So we've even done yes. one, just the two of us. And I watched that. <laughs> yeah. Which is really cool. So. I watched that fun fact yeah. in Cincinnati. Yeah. When I was still living in Cincinnati, really? which is so fun. A year ago, I lived in Cincinnati. Isn't that insanity? <laughs> That's, that's that so is so upsetting to me yeah yeah I mean I was in I was in LA when we filmed that that was like yeah. LA times were rough times let's be <laughs> I was in Denver yeah I was still in Denver with yeah the you're in Denver stuff. you're yeah, the only person in the same place yeah but somehow but, but somehow moved, so. yeah. <laughs> lots of moves in there lots has happened that's hilarious well great so Bella I mean I'd love to hear just a little bit about yeah. your background again for people who might not have heard our, our previous podcast on a Catholic response to Black Lives Matter but um, mm-hmm. Yeah, just be great. And especially since the work you're doing now is, is relevant to what we're going to talk about today. If you could just give a little bit of background on your life. Yeah. Um, so I'm Isabel Bryant. I'm 22 years old. Um, I'm the fourth of eight children, actually. So in the other podcast, it was very relevant. My dad is Black and my mom is white. Mom is relevant here. Um, I grew up Catholic, born and raised. And basically over the years, I've started to really become passionate about women um, and sexual healing and sexual trauma in regards to childhood sexual abuse and pornography use, uh, basically because those were two things I experienced under the age of 11. So um, that's when I decided to start Restore Love, which is the ministry I run right now. It is um, recently become, actually decided to transfer it to a Catholic nonprofit. It's a 501c3 Um, And basically what we do is provide online community and resources to young women healing from childhood sexual abuse and addictive pornography use. Uh, Right now, it's very new. We started it just about a year ago, and we're just trying to grow that mission, um, help women heal from those types of sexual traumas, and just really bring a lot of people within Christianity together to restore a lot of brokenness that has um, happened due to sexual immorality, sexual trauma um, all of that stuff. So yeah, that's me. (laughs) Yes. I love it. Thanks so much for sharing, uh, Mm -hmm. all of that. Yeah. I think it's, you know, I've always been impressed. I think both of you, when you shared, I know that was a big, you talked about doing the, uh, the Facebook live with the culture project. Like both of you, I was just so impressed that day of listening to your boldness and your witness of sharing, you know, because I think that we don't have that often enough. I constantly recommend and have, have promoted, um, Kim Zember's book. I don't know if you've ever read that the restless heart, about her struggle. It's her struggle with life and sexuality. And uh, she struggled with same-sex attraction. She's, she's been on the podcast before we did two episodes together, actually. And she's just awesome. And I I was like, man, you know, I don't think I've ever read a book that was this transparent Mm. and like vulnerable, you know what I mean? And there's so much value in that. And uh, you know, I, I've always tried to to do that. And I think that it it bothers some people. And I think, you know, I was was really kind of reflecting on this today. I don't want to derail us and talk about vulnerability. (laughs) transparency but I just think it's so important I just hope that we can encourage people and what we're going to talk about today because I think that you know I was thinking today about listening to certain talks that I've heard or whatever it might be and I just feel like there's always sometimes I think that there's this pride that we cover up as humility or trying to not like scandalize people or I don't want to you know I've heard people say like I don't want to talk about when I did drugs I don't want to like tell kids how to do drugs and it's like I'm not doing a step-by-step on how to roll a blunt. You know what I mean? Like I'm telling them that I smoked weed so that they know that because it just, I mean, it gives you a certain level of credibility. I feel like to talk about a topic, if you struggled with it, you know what I mean? And people are going to listen to you more. And my whole thing always was like, am I doing this to protect my own pride by not sharing more or, Mm -hmm. or is it because I genuinely think it's going to help people more? 
And it's like, if you yeah. know that like more people who are like in a dark place, if you talk about the, the seriousness of when you were in a dark place, because we've yes. all been to those testimonies that are like, you know, and I went through this really rough time. You know, <laughs> I used to joke at college about this girl, God bless her, this focused missionary who yes. came and was like, I was in this really dark time at Franciscan and yeah, you know, I was going to daily mass every day, but it was just, it was rough. And I was just like, man, if that was your low, <laughs> oh, girl, we don't, I shouldn't be here. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, you want to know what it, or you kind of, it makes people wonder all this sort of stuff. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? Well, and yeah. so, yeah, I'm like, it, and everybody's testimony is different. So I don't yeah. mean to dog people who don't have, you know what I mean? Like crazy stories. That's a beautiful thing. If you never went off the mm-hmm. deep end. Uh, but I think there just is so much value. If you do have serious things to share, you can be vulnerable. All it does is build your humility. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think in the realm of especially of sexual sin and especially with women, and this is something Bella and I have talked about before, Mm -hmm. um, the shame that's wrapped up in that, that can just intensify and intensify when you don't talk about things or you don't open up. And that doesn't mean you have to tell everybody, you have to tell the world or you have to do what Bella and I do and be pretty bold about Mm -hmm. it, like online or anything like that. But um, that, that kind of vulnerability can can help so much with that shame and that's what I experienced mm-hmm. in my life when I was struggling um was when I would open up with other people or or share that that it started breaking down the walls of shame and I honestly credit a lot of my healing to that you know um mm-hmm. to being able to to walk, break down those walls and stuff and so it can be beneficial as well right like you're always yeah you have, always have to be cautious of it and mm-hmm. again guard prudent. your yeah prudent yeah. Yeah. your own pride and things like that but yeah vulnerability you don't run around bragging about it but yeah. yeah i mean i just met people you know who like open up about a drug addiction or things like that it's like man like just the boldness to be able to just share that but mm-hmm. it's a reality it's a fact it's something that you struggled with in the past you know something that happened to you whatever it might be and there's just so much beauty and healing yeah that can mm-hmm. come from just sharing that with other people and being yeah. willing to be like like to genuinely be like i was there mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Especially if like God has healed you from it or is healing you from it, or at least you're trying to grow from it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? To say like, oh, you know, like I was there and and this is what I've experienced on the other side of that, as opposed to just being like, yeah, you know, I struggled with chastity once. It's like, that's so vague. Like nobody knows what that means. And like, to Mm -hmm. me, the guy who lost his virginity at 14, you know what I mean? Who's like thinking about this. I'm like, this guy, I'm like, you're just like every other Catholic dude who's like, you know what I mean? Like looked at a woman wrong and and like, granted, that's a sin. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not denying that. But yeah. I'm like, you don't really get it. It wasn't until like, I honestly had people when I was in college, dudes who were like, yeah, I was having sex with my girlfriend. I was doing this. I was doing that, that I was like, mm-hmm. and then they're like, but I stopped and my life is better afterwards because God yes. doesn't want me to do that. That I was like, wait, legit? Like you legit? <laughs> you, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you just, relate to me. Like right? we have a similar life. Oh, That's bro. a huge thing. Um, I think I've gone to many uh conference or retreat where there's someone sharing, especially women. I think this is so important to just for any kind of Catholic Christian women out there. Um, when oftentimes, I mean, my experiences with sexual trauma were so young. So there was never a point in my life where I wasn't going to retreats where those things weren't prevalent in my mind. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have these women go up and speak about chastity or speak about just or emotional chastity instead of even just talking about sex at all or just whatever it was and there was always this huge like I cannot relate to this woman and therefore because I am she is Catholic she is Christian and all the girls around me are Catholic Christian I probably don't relate to them either and there's that huge lie that sat that sits with you that oh my gosh no one's experiencing the same things the shame seeps in but then also this kind of like I'm weird like I'm so different. Yeah. Like it's such an uncomfortability with yourself. 
in a struggle with your identity that um, is really like it's aggressive and it's so degrading. Um, So I just think it's so, so important to be just completely authentic and honest with your past. And for me, that's really difficult because my past is like very up and down and a lot of things that I think would be, um, what's that word we used? Um, not traumatizing, but like shocking. I'd be shocking people, which everyone was maybe I want to stay away from that. But the reality is I'm shocking some people and then meeting a lot of people where they're at. Right. Exactly. And then maybe, especially in our day and age with our culture, that's kind of obsessed with sex and all those things. I'm meeting a lot more people where they're at than you would even think. Right. So it's very important. Yeah, exactly. You're not doing nearly as much harm as people think to the people who are shocked. Yes. You know what I mean? While you're trying to reach those who are really, really hurting, you know what I mean? Or like really, really Mm -hmm. lost. Like, I think there's not that recognition of that. And people need to know, obviously with prudence and, and you know what I mean? Like when you're raising kids and stuff like that, like, raising in this like protected you know bubble suit like the bubble boy you know what I mean so there's never germs that hit him like that's not it if you're gonna go out there and be like to help save souls you gotta know you know what I mean if you're gonna be a fisher of men or you know what I mean a fisher of people like you have to know that there's some tough seas out there that there's gonna be some people that you're gonna pull up have serious wounds it's just like going Mm -hmm. to war you know what I mean so we're gonna talk about the war on women today yes how is it helpful you know I was thinking about as you were speaking um that like when you watch like lone survivor right if you read the book we've seen the movie now right yes lone survivor so marcus luttrell he goes to like all this crazy stuff like fall down a mountain get shot a bunch of times when he's telling his story he talks vividly about all the wounds that he experienced every time somebody gets hurt like that right like you watch the chosen and jesus Mm heals someone they extensively talk about what was wrong they didn't say oh you know yeah i wasn't like this all the time Mm -hmm. (laughs) vaguely you know what i mean like i used to have an injury no, they're like, dude, I was blind, like legit 40 years. I was lame for 40 years. I sat by this yeah. pool trying to get into, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. detailed about what happened and how God changed it. And that's what we have to do. And to pretend like there's not actual injuries and casualties taking place out there in the war, it doesn't help anybody. It just no. continues to hide and the devil loves mm-hmm. to work in the dark. And so let's talk about how the devil's worked in the dark, especially to manipulate uh, men and women when it comes to femininity. So Love yes. talking about this with you guys because you guys love femininity and stuff, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but to kick it off, you know, I think one thing that I was really intrigued by recently, I, I read It Is Right and Just by Scott Hahn. And yeah. uh, the one thing that he talked about is he said that he kind of planted the root of all the chaos and madness that we're seeing in the world now, um, kind of rooted it in no-fault divorce being kind of mm-hmm. the starting point that led to so many other things. Um, and just like how no fault divorce really kicked mm-hmm. everything off. But I know you did some research, Bella, just talking about um, just the beginning of feminism and how that kind of got yeah. hijacked by the sexual revolution. Do you want to talk about that at all? Yeah. Um, to start off, what I really wanted to point out, what I really want to talk about is that there's two different movements during the 60s and 70s that are very important to recognize Uh, what they were and why they started. So the first being the women's movement, um, which really was just based in a lot of good desires for women to be equal to men, for women to not get fired for being pregnant, um, for women to have sports in high school and college, right? For women to be paid the same, for women to be given the same opportunities as men, right? Right. All very good basic things because um, 
women desire equality and we deserve it. And there was this kind of, we were seen as we're homemakers, we're just supposed to be in the home. There was, it was such a tight box surrounding women um, and women wanted to break free from that and they wanted the whole world to come together and help them do that, right? Amazing idea, really amazing women, even pro-life and awesome women in this women's movement, right? right. And then the sexual revolution comes around, uh, which is so, so interesting because the people who kind of started it were men, uh, the Playboy bunny, like that whole thing. Uh, who is that guy? Hugh Hefner? Hugh Hefner, Hefner. yep super big part of the sexual revolution, right? This guy who literally made money off of um, posting naked pictures of women in a magazine. Right. And you Mm -hmm. think about that and you're like, wow, how did that become feminism? Mm -hmm. When did that, how did that change into feminism? Um, And then it turned into uh, Helen Brown, Gurley Brown, and she was the cosmopolitan editor-in-chief. She totally wanted to, even at one point, wanted to work for T. Hefner. Then right, she nice. decided, oh, well, I can actually just turn Cosmopolitan into a woman's We're posting, you know, naked women, whatever. Um, and just really wanted it to be, be successful, have a lot of sex and don't have kids, basically. And that's where women are free and that are the most free and the most happy, yeah. right? Making a lot of money, having a lot of sex, not having any kids, not having a family. Um, and it's just really crazy how that actually just became the overall thing. It took over that whole women's movement. And the overarching theme was, okay, how do women do that contraception and abortion and um, convincing women to be just like men, to sleep Mm -hmm. around, to do all these things. Uh, And it's just really scary when you think about how such a good thing, this idea of just equality for women, um, women's rights is turned into this absolutely bizarre, twisted way to look at women and to look at sex it's just a very immoral way to look at women and look at sex and take away their femininity and all of these Mm -hmm. things um so I just think that's very interesting those are the two things that um I think a lot of people don't understand is that the women's movement was turned into the sexual revolution Mm -hmm. and um it today has affected I feel like kind of everyone right Mm -hmm. our culture is very obsessed with sex um, a lot of women, a lot of things you'll see, I'm heavily on TikTok and you'll see a lot of videos about how people are so excited, like not to have kids. Like I'm just going to be a boss, whatever women and not have kids and be successful and have a lot of cars and have a lot of clothes and have a lot of these things. Um, but they're missing a huge key factor is that when you're 50, 60, what is fulfilling your life then? Right. When you're yeah. older, what, when, most people around you are going to have grandkids and families to take care of them and people they love and build that community. Like, what are you going to have? Right. Right. And then at that age too, while you're doing it, what are you missing out on? Yeah. Mm. What good, beautiful relationships are you missing out on? And are you truly free if you're so obsessed with money, clothes, sex, all of these things, or are you actually addicted and compulsively doing these things because it's the only way you can get some kind of momentary pleasure and happiness. So I feel like there's a lot of questions that just were not asked during the sexual revolution that a lot of people should have been asking during that time. Not a lot still, of critical and they're still not asking those things until it's too late. <laughs> you know, we, yeah. we were even just talking about that the other day of, um, 
must, might've been a while ago when you were sharing that you feel like people have been giving you advice on like, even just starting families and stuff like that. Do you remember that? When yeah. We, somebody we, did it two days ago. We had like, we said, been, wait to have kids. They said wait to have kids. Yeah. Do you remember, do you remember there, was, there were a bunch of people like in a row that said not to wait to have kids and that they had regretted it. Do you remember that? Uh, this no. was like, this was earlier in the summer, I think where we were talking <laughs> about, we had had like multiple people just say like very randomly talk about their own like regrets and waiting to have kids a little bit. And it was like back to back to back to back. Um, but it's kind of interesting to think about that. And, and I'm grateful, grateful, you know, that they give it to us at this time in our life and, and whatnot and preparing right. for marriage. But I remember in marriage prep. In marriage prep. Yeah. There were different things like that, but um, yeah, it happens before it's too late. And while you're talking about that of like Cosmo and everything like that, I, all I could think about was, how long lasting the effects are not only just in the culture as a whole, but even like down to little things or even how it personally affected me. Um, like I think of the Cosmo, uh, I don't know what they're called highlights on Snapchat and stuff, you know, yes. and you would like go yeah. over there. And I remember that for the longest time, that would be a huge like trigger for me. I would like really, if, you know, mm -hmm. if I was on Snapchat and I happened to see Cosmo pop up or something, it was like, it was like, they were I mean, the stuff they post on there is is terrible for anybody. R-rated, yeah. Yeah, literally, you know. Yeah. And I, I think I, I honestly ended up at a point deleting Snapchat simply because of the Cosmo hi highlight, of like how wow. much you know that that, yeah. you know, for somebody who's using Snapchat trying to like be be virtuous with it or whatever, and you had no control yeah. over that, so there's no way you can be on there. And so yeah, yeah kind of when you're reflecting on even that starting off, I was like, it has personally affected me, you know, and many <laughs> others, even to this day. Right. Um, yeah. or even thinking of Hugh Hefner. I remember when he died. I remember I just like had this feeling that I just had to go, like I just went to adoration, literally. Wow. And I was like so overwhelmed with it because I just thought of like how much his work affected my life and the life of many yes. people around me, you know? Um yeah. And it was just like, it was like almost like I was like, his death was super powerful for me. It sounds weird, but like it was, it was, it was, it really impacted me, you know, just thinking yeah. about him and his, and the person in his life and things. So they have long lasting effects, you know, and that's what they wanted. They that's wanted to, to have that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. To think that's about like, living in a society where he was hailed as a hero. Yeah. It's pretty mind blowing. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like on yeah. so many shows and movies yeah. and things like that, like he was always like the dream, right. Was living his life. Mm -hmm. It's really crazy. But I think what, what it points to really is just like this. Uh, one, I think it's just like this misconception that people often have of what you talked about, you know, with it being white, rich men kind of pushing mm -hmm. this. Yes. Right. Yeah. And like when you watch the history of it, if you read anti mary Exposed, you watch the videos that we're going to link on, you know, on the show notes of the podcast. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's crazy to see all the white, like, like Hugh Hefner, but many others, you know, yeah. the, the white founders and like pushing um, Planned Parenthood and just like yeah. pushing the abortion movement. Like when you realize yeah. all the time, it's like these white men, these white, rich, rich white men um, mm -hmm. who are supposed to be the enemy. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think yeah. it's so funny. Like we, you still see that happening all the time. Now we look at that now and we're like, wow, how are people so dumb then? But then you remember in 2020, the same people who the year before or two years before were marching on Washington and, and sitting on yeah. occupying Wall Street to fight against the 1%, then advocated for lockdowns and shutting yeah. down personal freedoms. And who benefited from all that stuff? The 1%, right? Yeah, the rich, yeah, exactly. The rich white man, like literally Jeff Bezos, like he yeah. was the one, like Walmart, you know what I mean? Like yeah. all the big corporations who they were mm -hmm. supposed to hate and fight against are the ones who made out. And then what happened yeah. the following year? 
oh, we hate big pharma. Like Bernie Sanders is going to take down big pharmaceutical companies. They're ruining yeah. white Americans. You know what I mean? We need to make Medicare for all because healthcare is unaffordable because yeah. pharmaceutical companies ruin it. Hmm. And now who are we pushing the most money That's for right now? Yeah. You know? All our taxpayer dollars yeah. are making, yep, making the vaccines free for everybody. And just everybody needs yeah. to take it worldwide. And um, and they're making bank mm-hmm. yes. on this. It's like, we, um, it's just a huge diversion like I don't know how it happens but it's just one thing gets twisted um well I do know how it happens I don't know I said that the media is just a magical I don't know it's a magical little force I think you know if the devil had like a wand like if the devil was a witch that had a wand like the media would be his wand right it had a CNN logo on it yes (laughs) (laughs) exactly right um media all of that stuff it's just kind of crazy because we even think about Joe Biden. Like I really, as a woman who fights so hard to tell people about childhood sexual abuse, to talk about um, just predators. There are predators out there. There are people who want to hurt your kids, you know, and oh, white men, the patriarch, all these things. Joe Biden is the epitome of it. Everything accumulated into one man, but he is the option. He's the best option. And we're happy. He's the hero right now. He's the hero. He's doing all this stuff. It's just really bizarre, but um, I think it's a really important point that the devil is so manipulative and it's mm. so easy for him to manipulate us when we are so willing to be easily ma- manipulated by everything. Like right. we're on phones all the time. We expect our government to take care of us. We expect the media to tell us the truth. Yeah. Like that's what people actually, they live in a world where we're like, yeah, this, that, and the other thing is good. When has the government been good? The media, like, when has this right. ever been? Like, where in history is that? You know, it's yeah. so crazy, and it's such yeah. a slippery slope, right? Like, when mm-hmm. you see anything with this, it just like so quickly gets out of hand, and there every every lie that the devil shares is like so intertwined to all aspects of society yes. and and everything like that. And um, this made me think of to. So I'm on a retreat right now with my office um, with mm-hmm. Father John Ricardo, who's amazing, legend he Nathan loves his book and be the man be yeah. the man yeah so it's been really fun to be with him and today he said the greatest thing because he's basically just sharing the gospel with the entire archdiocese of Denver in a really intense <laughs> way and it's been awesome um but he said something about um if the devil could do what he did to Adam and Eve who knew nothing but perfection what can he do to people like us who nothing know nothing but imperfection that's deep. Isn't that crazy? I was thinking about that today. <laughs> Isn't that wild, right? You yeah. know, think about that. It's like if they knew yeah. nothing but perfection and he still got them to fall, what can he do to an imperfect world? Yeah. Yes. Right. And I was just like, shoot. You know, yeah. and you, and you think the, about that, he has so much control over so much, you know. Yeah. yeah. You get to see it. I think in what you were talking about earlier, too, with like the devil has just worked this fundamental change, you know, in, in pushing and getting women to really mm-hmm. believe mm-hmm. and for men to believe that like fulfillment in life and for freedom for women, yes. um, like good men encourage women to have abortions, to not get married till late, to not yeah. have kids on these things. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you, you wonder how people don't realize, like, I always wonder this. I'm constantly intrigued by the lukewarm, right? Like lukewarm mm-hmm. Catholics just boggle my mind. I just don't understand it. Yeah. Um, because to me, it's always been like either, either be in or be out. Mm-hmm. Like, why would exactly. you be lukewarm? Like, why would you go to mass on Sunday and live with your girlfriend? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, why do it? Why, why get married yeah. and be, and go to mass and get married in the church and get your kids baptized and be on birth control? Like, 
I just yeah. like, why do it? Why do those things and then advocate for same sex marriage or abortion? Like, mm-hmm. I, I just like personally can't understand you thinking like, I just, I mean, I was just having this conversation recently, but like yeah. you thinking that some of it's true. Right. And like, I believe in God, I believe in the church enough that I think I need to get married. Like I need to get married in the church because mm-hmm. yeah. it makes a difference. Why do you need to get married in the church? Because the church says so. Yeah. And the church has authority here, but over here where I don't agree with you or my wife doesn't agree with you or whatever yeah. that, uh, no, I'm going to, I'm going to just skip that part doesn't make any sense but when you think those people the same people that are in that group a lot of times when you think to yourself when you're in that boat that boat of i'm going to date somebody for six years and live with them and not get married and have kids later on and maybe one or two kids whatever i'm not going to be that open to life use contraception uh maybe abortions even on the table you know who knows but when you think about that and you look at the people who actually advocate for those things like when i think of every woman that i've met in random places whether it be in college or at bars whatever you know i mean just like having conversations with people on airplanes and they're talking about that. Like they're just mm-hmm. career focused, totally. Yes. Don't want to have a family, don't have kids. They are not faithful people. Mm-hmm. No. The men who advocate for that stuff, the men who are doing those things, they're advocating for abortion. They are not church going, wonderful. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's always correlated. Those, like I'm thinking of the last girl that I met, one of the people yeah. hung out with a bunch of people. I went to Mexico with my family and Jew with my cousin. We were talking yeah. to everybody down there from all different countries. And it was so interesting to talk to Germans and Spanish people and yeah. Mexicans and all kinds of stuff. I just remember this girl super into the universe and stuff, but all about money, financial, material success, being famous, like all this stuff. And I was just like, wow, what a like contrary worldview. Mm. You know what I mean? To the worldview of faith. Why is it that when you see women who are fully living out their faith, they're fully committed, they're actually orthodox, they're open to having kids. They want to have families. They're pro-life. That's like one of the things I always talk about was like a huge thing for my political conversion, if you will, my shifting, you know what I mean? To being more conservative was I just realized like, wow, most of the faithful Catholics that I know who are actually trying to live out this life yeah. are conservative and yeah. they're seriously pro-life <laughs> and they're seriously pro-marriage and they're seriously pro-family yeah. and pro-freedom and maybe All I should this. be with them. Yeah. <laughs> you Even, know, on the, yeah. Last judge, on the day of the last judgment, I was like, I think I want to stay with those guys. Yeah. I'm like, it's I think funny. I want to stay over there. Yeah. It's funny to me because, uh, this year, this past year and a half, I made a little IGTV video about it, but it's just been probably one of the hardest years of my life, like definitely going through it. It was kind of like I started Restore Love and COVID hit and um, spiritual warfare and like the devil attacked really, really hard. I was living like basically alone in Hollywood in California. Um, and I was never, I have not, I haven't reached that point yet in my life where I've done so much work and so much healing um, and really tried to change my habits that something so big like COVID wouldn't affect me negatively, you know, like there was not, I did not have that buildup of strength, like at that point. Um, sure. and it's really difficult. And this, um, past January, I met a guy, right. And we basically started dating and he was very atheist, very atheist, um, but conservative, very kind of interesting little kind of an opposite of what you're talking about actually. Yeah. Um, and I just started working at a restaurant because Restore Love was not making enough money for me to pay myself. So I really did need a job and I needed whatever. And so I'm in this, the world, I'm in the secular world, which I hadn't really been a part of for a long time mm-hmm. because I've just been so involved in my community, my Catholic community, my faith, right? Sure. And um, because I was at such a low point, really struggling with depression, I was actually struggling with my faith in and of itself, right? Wow. And the thing that really got me out of it it's so funny that you're saying this was seeing the people in my life who I loved, who were Catholic, who were faithful, 
their joy, their gratefulness, um, just the way they live their daily life was so staunchly different than the boyfriend I was hanging out with all the time. The people I was at work with all the time, Mm -hmm. angry, angry, angry people, um, not grateful for things really only focused on, yeah, money, boys, going out on the weekends. Like that was their whole life. And they did it every single week. It was the same exact pattern. And there's no meaning behind it, right? There's no like fulfillment. It's like, oh, I'm going to make money and travel and get my nails done and, you know, do all of these things, whether in, you're in Scottsdale and there's like plastic surgery everywhere. And you're like, wow, yeah, you're wondering, right. like, what is our, these people are so unhappy. Like I'm experiencing it firsthand. I remember I went to dinner with, at the time, my ex-boyfriend and his family. And it was like right near the end where I think I knew I was just going to have to get out of this situation. Um, and I sat there and I didn't really talk for a long time because the whole conversation was complaining yep. the whole time. Mm. Something at work was wrong. Something about my life was wrong. My dogs are dying. My blah. It was just like all of that was the whole conversation was complaining about their life, their work and whatever. Right. Um, and I thought to myself, wow, when I sit down with my family, we have like very in-depth, amazing conversations about each other, about our work, about our ministry, about like what we love, about faith. And there's like right. happiness there. And then it was actually three consecutive Catholic weddings that I was actually in. I was in these weddings. And I knew every time I sat there, I want this. This is good. This is beautiful. And this person I'm with is never going to do it for me. Right. right? They're <laughs> yep. never going to be here. They don't want to be here. They don't even want to meet my family because they know we're Catholic. Like there's just, there's so many things, but the biggest realization is that the most joy filled, like, like down to earth, authentic people are people who really do live their life for God. They're Mm -hmm. the, they don't complain as there's all of these things. And they have this understanding about love and relationships that so many people are missing out on. Mm -hmm. And that's because of this lie that you can have sex whenever you want. Mm-hmm. Contraception is good. Abortion is good. This is freedom. This is empowerment for young people. Sex education, where we're telling fifth graders about the most bizarre, bizarre sexual, immoral sexual acts, right? Mm-hmm. All of these things make it seem just, it's just so focused on nothing that is deeper than surface level than our body, right? Mm-hmm. But we yeah. have soul and we desire deep things. And so all of this surface level stuff is never completing anyone. And they're so unhappy and it's so sad. So sad. Mm. That's crazy. It is. It's truly tragic. You just made me think of this line that it's really, really hard to be negative, complaining and ungrateful when you have a strong prayer life. Mm -hmm. And it's very, Mm -hmm. it's almost the default to be those things when you don't. Yeah. Right. And I know that in my yeah. life, I ebb and flow, you know, we were just talking with somebody the other day and Emily afterwards was like, wow, that person was really negative. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like really negative, really complaining. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. And like, I, I remember back to my time in the army where it was really difficult to have a good prayer life, you know, because there's so much demanded of you and like, you're just so tired. You have to wake up really early, have really late nights. Sometimes you're in the field for a week. So there's no yeah. rhythm in your life to kind of get in a routine and things like that, which makes it really tough. Um, and which is why they always need our prayers. Right. Mm-hmm. But it just, it, it reminded me of like my times when I was most negative and pessimistic and pissed off all the time and grumbling and complaining and not a good influence on other people and, and not good in my own life was when I had that, right. When I didn't have that prayer yeah. life and I wasn't either wasn't able to, or wasn't making the time for it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and God's grace obviously is sufficient for us wherever we're at in life and whatever we're called to, whatever our vocation is. Yeah. And so there's times that there's ways to get around that and to let his grace be sufficient. Cause it, 
ebbed and flowed even when I was in certain training circumstances or whatever. Yeah, of um, course. You know, I guess I can vividly remember my first half of Rangers school, I was significantly worse off than my second half where I kind of fixed my attitude, remembered mm-hmm. what I had learned, remember who I was and started praying again and, you know, doing what I could. But it's just crazy to think that like you can't, uh, you know, have a strong prayer life and be negative. And I just think the same goes for this. And I think that it's bold and it might mm-hmm. sound judgmental, but like you can't truly have a strong, faith-filled, God-focused life and believe some of these things, right? Like at some point mm-hmm. they have to diverge, right? And I think that, mm-hmm. you know what, maybe you guys can talk about it in your own story. I know I can talk about it in mine with like, when you're, when you're living this life of unchastity or you're committed, you know what I mean? To some type of sexual sin or whatever it might be, like you do kind of come to this point where you like you, it becomes very, very apparent, very clear yeah. for you that like, I can't keep doing both of these. You know what I mean? And so, uh, yeah. What was that like? Do you guys want to either you want willing to share about that? Yeah. I mean, I, I've reflected on this a lot of like how grumpy or self-centered I was or, or different things like that for a long time when I was struggling. And I think a lot of it was just that built up anger of feeling like I was living a double life and nobody knew. Um, mm-hmm. But I do remember, I feel like I remember reflecting on that or like journaling about it, that if I, if I was struggling or if I had fallen or anything like that, I would just be like, so rude to everybody the rest of the day, you know, or I would just be so um, angry. And it's just that it's that emptiness, right. That comes from seeking love in the wrong place and then feeling empty from it. Right. That you, that you're mm-hmm. like missing uh, the point mm-hmm. there. And, and you also like see that, I think in a lot of relationships that when they're, you know, um, I've heard that before with, with relationships where they're like sexually active and that there's a lot more fighting or there's a lot more different things like that, that have, that are related to it because it's just this, um, missing each other and not loving each other fully. Um, but that was definitely something I experienced. And I remember even in some of my, um, research on, on different things, I can't remember where this is from. I was talking about how people who are healing, especially from pornography addictions, um, like the more they heal, the, there's a lot of uh, accounts of starting to f- see the world differently and like, like recognizing things that you never noticed before, <laughs> or like, right. you know, like you're so numb and you're so used to, um, I don't know, you're just so like addicted to a fake thing that even yeah. just like colors are different, um, that there's been yeah. like different, like accounts of people seeing different colors or seeing different things. And I feel like I've even recognized that in my own life of like appreciating little things and just like having yeah. like a joyful attitude towards little things more than I did for the longest time. Right. Yeah. And I feel like I missed out on a lot because I was just stuck in this place of anger and emptiness. Um, yeah, I would say that's yeah. how I, I've experienced it, but that's deep. Yeah. yeah, I definitely relate to that a lot. Um, it's very interesting it's very timely because, um, I'm, it's funny to me, my disposition is generally like happy, joyful, fun, Bella. Like that's my kind of mm-hmm. general, like my natural disposition. Um, I picked up so on it was that. Actually, what? I picked up on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Both of you. <laughs> yes, totally. Right. So it's a kind of an extroverted, like just something God gave me. I feel, I really do feel like it's a gift and I'm really grateful for it mm-hmm. because I think having the other disposition and going through what I had gone through would have been a, a very, uh, I would have just turned out very differently, I think. Mm, um, sure. And what I realized, the biggest thing I realized, um, especially with this past like two years, year and a half with COVID hitting and just kind of throwing my morality a little bit out the window, not really, but in a sense, like in my darkest moments, it like 
nothing mattered to me what I was doing, which is a very, it's a big disassociation thing that happens Mm -hmm. with mental health, but like really nothing matters, right? You get to that Mm -hmm. point and it's, it's kind of scary. It's really dark. And I realized coming kind of out of that time that my disposition has, it's changed a little bit. Like it's not, I'm not fully there yet back to that where my natural disposition is like Mm. joyful and happy and stuff like that, because there's still a lot more healing that I need to do. But during that time where I was really dating my ex and kind of almost living with him, like it was just really not a healthy relationship. Um, I was not going to mass like Mm. ever. Right. I knew I had to make a conscious decision. I'm not going to pretend that I am something. Right. I'm not. I I know I have this passion for my faith. I've been living it out, you know, throughout my life, my whole life. Like my faith has been like the center, right? Um, And I just can't seem that I couldn't seem to get to where I need. Like I couldn't seem to understand that why would I be feeling the way I'm feeling? Why is my life the way it is? If like this thing is so great, so there was just a lot of skepticism, a lot of despairing, a lot of hopelessness. And I just didn't even want to pretend on social media. I think I didn't even post on social media for quite mm. a few months. Like I didn't want to act a certain way that I didn't feel like I was. Um, and I was very, very unhappy. Like I was not doing well during that time. I barely saw my family. Like all of these things just decreased because I was entering into a life of sin that I just didn't see myself getting out of. Mm. So it's really, it takes control over everything. Like mm-hmm. people don't understand that. Um, I put this definition of lust in here, which is basically a, dis- a disordered desire for sexual uh, pleasure, right? Um, everyone desires sex. That's a good natural thing. We're created mm-hmm. that way, but this is a dis- disordered desire for it. And if that is something that most people, uh, especially young people are living with, this like constant desire for something because hormones are going crazy. This is the time for all of that to be happening, which is very normal, but we're seeking it out in very um, like corrupt, disordered ways. It's going to take over almost every aspect of our lives. Right. Um, And that's why when you're talking about pornography and seeing things differently, I wonder if it's because we're watching something that is so disordered um, frequently. Right. Mm -hmm. And seeing people like we're watching human beings. I think that's something people like forget because they're, we're not, we're not actually seeing them that way. Right. Right. We're not understanding them as human beings. We're like, Oh, those are two human beings doing that thing Mm -hmm. on the screen, but they are not actually, they're not like me. They're not like my friends. They're not like my parents. They're not like the people I love. Right. Completely disconnecting their humanity from who they like actually are. Um, you start to see people like my brain sometimes works. It's immediately a judgment on someone's appearance. Like that's all. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, when did that start becoming a thing? Right. Probably because I spent so much time watching naked people do things mm-hmm. and judging their appearance. Mm-hmm. And then that's going to mm-hmm. affect how I'm seeing people in the real world. And it's going to take a long time for that to kind of dissipate because it's a natural habit you've not created. Right. So of course, like you start seeing things differently because you're like, I'm not watching this horrible thing all the time. And I'm seeing people as people, right? With souls who are beautiful and amazing and created in the image likeness of God, right? Like me and like my friends. Mm. Um, It's really just wild how it just changes everything about your life. And especially with how young a lot of people get into this stuff. And especially now today, kind of getting back to like, 
the sexual revolution and, and a lot mm-hmm. of those programs that came out of it and how mm-hmm. they are going for young kids in a lot of ways, yeah. you know, um, the undoing is so much harder. I, w- I can imagine from, yeah. you know, and I mean, I was pretty young when I first um, was exposed, but it's, it's gotta be even more ingrained in people's minds um, mm-hmm. because they know nothing different, you know, and they yeah. know it. Yeah. yeah. It persists when you're younger. Like if you're kind of, you could be like 15, 16, be exposed to something. And then you're maturing quickly during that stage and age. And people mm-hmm. are to tell you actual things about life. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, oh, maybe this is something I need to get out of. But like kids, especially kids who are never going to tell anyone about what they're doing, that you have like five to six years before someone's maybe talking to them about what they're doing. Right. Exactly. It's a very, very huge exactly. chunk of time. So that's a very good point. Yeah. Totally. Wow. Yeah. It's really wild. And I think one of the things that's so interesting, you know, when you think about like getting kids so young to just kind of be numbed, which is what I think it really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just get numbed to all of these things, right? Because you're just so immersed in the sexual revolution and, and sex being commonplace and masturbation, pornography, abortion, all that stuff. I think one thing that's really interesting is I, you know, as I think about my journey of, you know, moving towards chastity and wanting to live that out and struggling with it and yeah. you know, getting better, getting worse, getting better, get, you know, three steps forward, mm-hmm. two steps back kind of journey mm-hmm. um, is I remember so many people telling me like through college and even, even like, even since then, I would talk about certain times in my life where I feel like I really heard the voice of God speaking yeah. to me. And I think one thing that's interesting is people always want that. And they always are like, you know, why don't I get that? Or why don't I hear that? And I think about the people who I know who have experienced that. I'm like, I also think that most of us who have felt like we've heard the voice of God clearly. And I'm not talking about like, you know, um, you know, a voice babbling from the sky, but I feel like I've had clear communication with the Lord. I've also feel like I've had clear communication with Satan. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I've also feel like I've had evil spirits, like very clearly, you know what I mean? Like in my voice, when you think about like, you know, whether it be with self or with other, you know, with women in my life, like the times Mm -hmm. where like your thoughts are just like dominated and like, Mm. it just starts going right. And like the end just starts going and you're literally making these rational connections and you're like rational, right? They're irrational. Yeah. You're making irrational connections in your mind. And literally I remember stopping many times. And like, there's been other times where I felt like physical presences and things like that of evil yeah. forces, you know what I mean? Like tempting me, um, whether that be the chassis or other things, whatever. And, yeah. you know, when you think you stop in your mind, you're like, well, I'm not even thinking these thoughts, right? It's like, yeah. where is this stuff coming from? And that's like, it, I mean, it's so interesting how comparable they can be. Because I remember like writing talks in the chapel, right? And like being like, mm-hmm. Lord, what should I share with my Bible study? Or what should I share in this talk? And feeling like I have ideas and thoughts that are coming to me yes. that are not my own, right? Like, I'm like, I didn't think of that. Like that yeah. connection, I never thought of that before. Yes. And it was just, Average I just prayed. All the time. Yeah, exactly. that's a great, great But it answer. also happens on the other side. And I think that people yes. don't realize that. And I think that people on the good side, right? People who haven't had as many like, you know, yes. deep connections to sexual sin or some other things like that, right? Who mm-hmm. have, have really been, not that no everybody's sinners, right? right. But people yeah. who have been, you know, a lot of their life, like on the straight and narrow and have like truly sought yeah. after God and like led pretty holy lives. I feel like a lot of them have reached out to me and be like, why don't I hear the voice of God? You know, and on the yeah. other side, you have people who are living completely indulged in the world, completely, yeah. you know, I mean, slaves of sin and sex or whatever it might be. Yeah. And they don't hear the voice. Like, you know what I mean? So I feel like it's those who have to travel, you know what I mean? Who the Lord really like pursues and calls out of some of these really dark places that you end yeah. up hearing both because where God is going to be really present in a certain way, the devil is going to try to counteract that in the same way, right? Like those mm-hmm. pathways are, 
are so similar. They're going to meet at the same battlefield, right? And so yeah. it's really interesting to think about that in the way that the Lord, you know, you can really start to hear Satan in that spiritual warfare that you talked about. And Emily, what you mentioned about like sin changes you. Mm-hmm. You know, I just said this the other day to one of my friends. I was like, why has one of my homeboys who, who lives with his girlfriend, I know like has a nominal Catholic lifestyle. Like, why is he kind of like, why are some of these friends of mine who, who are living like that, you know, they have become so liberal and like started buying into all these things, whether it be BLM or socialism or mm-hmm. um, abortion or same-sex marriage, LGBT stuff, whatever. Well, obviously, like, you know why, like, I don't have to ask you, yeah. you know what I mean? But if you ask the world to explain that, I asked another friend who, you know what I mean? is kind of lukewarm um, from what I know. And it's like, I don't know why that happened. And it's like, well, I do. I'm, I'm seeing, I'm trying to see what your perspective is, but I know why that yeah. happened, right? Because sin yeah. changes you. Sin changes the way you see the world. And exactly what yeah. you talked about, I never thought about it before, Emily, but when I was living, I remember like the, the when I think back to my, um, you know, relationships with women that were very unchaste, the worst ones where we fought all the time were when we would pray together and like try, like be quasi, you know, faithful and then still, you know what I mean? Like willingly be unchaste mm-hmm. oh, versus, my goodness. you know what I mean? Like the times where you yes. talked about Bella, like there was yeah. times where I would just kind of like ignore it. I would still go to mass on Sunday, but it would be like an yes. hour in and out. Like that's all I'm doing. You know what I mean? And when I would mm-hmm. ignore God for, you know, 167 hours a week, except yes. for that one hour on Sunday, like that was when it was, you know what I mean? Then I could get along, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Have fun, whatever. I was yeah. still not as joyful. I was still didn't have peace. I didn't have whatever. But the worst relationships I've ever been in were the ones where like, we knew what we should have been doing, but chose not to do it anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The work, yeah. I mean, the fights, the negativity, the bad, you know what I mean? Like unhealthy, uh, you know what I mean? Like, attachments. Uh, yeah, attachments to mm-hmm. each other. All yeah. of it. It's so real. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's funny. I feel like in those situations, it's like your anger and uh, almost maybe a disgust for yourself because you know better. Like it's like mm. the, you know, better thing. Oh yeah. The self-loathing. Um, it totally comes out in relationships and like how you attack other people. It's like, yeah. so it's so, so, so apparent. Yeah. Gossiping. Um, gossiping, all of that stuff. It's really interesting when you were talking about um, how people who really often have really big crosses uh, to carry really do have this kind of interest, all these interesting encounters with Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and someone recently kind of, I think I was at a healing retreat, maybe that's where it was mentioned. Um, but that's when we're actually, Christ, we're so relatable to Christ mm-hmm. because he's gone through just such immense suffering through his crucifixion, right? There's this insane amount of suffering. And with sins, with these sins that we have come to uh, try to get rid of or whatever through those processes or process. I think that's what you say. Anyways, through those things, you're going to be suffering. There is like mm-hmm. a constant amount of suffering and Christ really knows where to hit you there because he's gone through all of it. He's done all of it. Right. And there's this like huge um, relationship to suffering that we can uh, relate to with Christ. And I think that's why he kind of really can often reach you there, not saying go out and find a situation to suffer um, for, to just have a relationship with God, but it's just a very interesting aspect of kind of what it really means to suffer. Everyone does suffer. And that's why God, I think, can kind of relate and get in there with everyone. It's a human, it's a shared human experience, but it's just really cool to think about he's gone through it all. Like you can give it all to him. Like he was crucified on the cross, your loneliness, your depression, your anxiety, your stress, um, 
your struggle with sexual sin, your sexual traumas that you've experienced pornography, you just give it to him because his experience um, on earth was just so, so full of suffering. So he gets it and he gave us a whole story to tell us about how horrible it was. So we know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was just very, very interesting. That is so good. Yeah, you know, and I think one one thing that I was thinking about too is like there's these, um, there's it's kind of like the symptoms of sin, mm-hmm. you know, that you talked about and that I talked about, and and I think that um, one of them I think is is refusing to do that, right? Is refusing to let your struggles like yeah. to place them at the foot of the cross, right? Because you start yeah. to not believe in mercy, you start to doubt God's yes. ability to forgive and God's openness to yeah. to loving you still and things mm-hmm. like that. And there's so many symptoms out there. And I think that it's very easy for people to think, um, you know, that you're, you're being judgmental, right? And there's times where I'm sure all three of us have been judgmental towards other people oh, who yeah. are dealing with sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's really hard to balance that with loving other people and trying to evangelize because what we were just talking about, there's all these connections and clear things like you, for example, when you were, um, you know, mm-hmm. when you were basically living with your boyfriend or <laughs> you were not spending as much time with your family, like. Yeah. You in that space, me and many times in my life, if somebody would ask you, if your parents or a friend of yours would have been like, are you even going to mass still? Even though you weren't, yes. you, like, you probably would have been offended. A lot of people would be pissed off at that yes. question, right? They'd be like, I don't even dare you even question this or whatever. And it's oh, like, yeah. dude, there's symptoms of this stuff. Like when you're like, you're, you're showing the signs, it's like being a doctor, right? And like the more mm-hmm. any of us are around and we see people come and go, leave the faith, yeah. come back to the faith, right? You see what happens you start to pick up on like, these are the symptoms of that scripture tells us, right? Yeah. Like it's like where one sin is many are present. And when you're directly living contrary to the faith and you're choosing to do that, mm-hmm. everything you believe like shows and says that there's consequences of that. Yes. And those consequences are going to take place in your life. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. fruits of the Holy spirit and there's opposites of those things, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Love, joy, Unhappy. peace, patience, kindness. Yeah. You yeah. know? And so when you see people who are consistently mean and hateful and spiteful and stuff like that like it doesn't I mean it's not rocket science to be like that person's probably not super close to the Lord I know in my life I can tell and like I'm sure as we grow in our marriage and things like that like we're probably gonna be able to tell each other spiritual health yeah Yeah. based on how we we treat each other how we're acting and I mean I think we have times like that now you know what I mean of just being like wow we need to you know even when we if we are are going through a rougher patch it's like Mm -hmm. yes it's usually during those times right it's the times where we're Mm -hmm. traveling and moving a lot and we haven't been praying and you know what I mean in our routines and things like that Mm -hmm. um making that time for God Mm. totally yeah all I keep thinking about if is yeah if we if we so clearly experience this like as faithful people and just kind of thinking about everybody involved in the feminist movement and everything like that um how much more intense it is for them right that that anger that or that wrestling because our human our human nature desires god right like are we we are literally made for a relationship with god we're made for relationship in general like that's what humanity is made for and so there's this natural wrestling that has to be there there has to be a a frustration there has to be a anger and 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 you know like you you shared at the beginning some of the roots of a lot of the things that the women were doing were because there was like tension in that like there wasn't there wasn't proper um respect for women there wasn't Mm -hmm. proper those things so there was tension there but the devil fed on that um and just like fed it more right and like continue to to increase that that frustration with a by trying to have them look for 
fulfillment in the wrong places and everything. And yeah. And so if that affects us in, in, as being faithful people so much, how much more does it affect people who don't even know the answer? Right. We don't even know that there is a reality to Mm -hmm. healthy relationship, healthy marriages, healthy sexual life, you know, like all those things that there is a reality, like that there is a way to be fulfilled in those things that there actually is a way, but they have no idea. So they're just continually frustrated and grasping at it and trying to find the answer. And yeah, it's just a cycle. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. um, A big part of talking about the sexual, the sexual revolution is sex in the city the show yeah um i've actually seen quite maybe two seasons of it um not very healthy for myself but definitely was i always is i don't know why sometimes i think oh i can watch these things because it's like for research and it's interesting um (laughs) really just not good for my soul and you gotta think get better about that but um yeah (laughs) some of it and i remember i do just watch it you know coming from a conservative catholic you know Mm -hmm. pro-life um background watching the show is so intriguing to me because mm. the the cycle you see in the show it's like mm. in most really popular mainstream hollywood movies tv shows the person looking for a relationship don't know who they are don't know this don't know that they're looking for all of these things um and they're never really finding it or they mm. find it in themselves at the end or like some kind mm. of weird just portrayal of like you're now i'm happy because i have a boyfriend now i'm happy because mm. i have this thing Mm-hmm. Um, there's all of these cycles in sex in the city, especially where they're just so bizarrely want men to treat them well, want all of these things, right? They want all of these things. Um, they are very promiscuous. They are all on contraception. They're mm-hmm. masturbating. They're talking about porn. They're talking about all of these things. Um, and then they are, you know, sexualizing men, not mm-hmm. treating men well, doing mm-hmm. all of these things. And they're like progressively single, lonely, unhappy, looking for husbands or like looking for a relationship. It's a whole show mm-hmm, for right. like maybe I don't even know how many seasons the show is. I don't know because I haven't finished, never finished it, but still like it's bizarre to me. You watch it and you start thinking, oh my gosh, like Duh. I feel so <laughs> bad for people who just find this entertaining and are just sucking mm. all of it in because these women are like getting close to their forties and they are unhappy. They are lonely. They live alone. They have a lot of nice shoes. They have a lot of cute outfits and they sleep around a lot and they go drinking. Um, but they're perpetually talking about how unhappy they are Mm. and how they want a man in a relationship. And I think about the fruits of, we were just kind of talking about the physical Holy spirit, right? That's what you were mentioning. Mm -hmm. What are the fruits of the sexual revolution? What are the fruits of pornography? right? Um, It's one of those main questions that I think people forget to ask. It's just critical thinking that we just haven't been taught. Like we weren't raised to be critical thinking human beings. So what is the cause of something? And then after that thing happens, what is the fruit of it, right? So with this whole sexual revolution, we see that the fruit is very unhappy women looking for relationships, never finding them because not only are they not treating men well, um, they are kind of promoting men to not mm. treat them well mm. at the same mm-hmm. time right um mm-hmm. why would promoting playboy bunny and cosmopolitan inspire men to stop objectifying women and wanting just purely sex from them where right. in what world does that like make any sense you know um yeah. so it's just really quite interesting that we're seeing all of these negative fruits stds divorce um 
you know, pornography addiction, sex addiction, uh, just this whole like bizarre kids have like 13 year olds having sex and it Mm. being almost normal and talked about as a normal thing with certain people in certain parts of the media. Mm. These fruits are all negative. I haven't seen one positive fruit from the sexual revolution. And it's just really important that people start thinking and asking questions like that. Um, just moving forward because I just don't, I can't see one possible good thing except for maybe the fact that people aren't like in tight little boxes anymore and seen just as one way women aren't just seen as one way and men are one way. Um, but even then they bent the stick so far the opposite direction that they kind of just messed it all up. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Trying to, yeah. Go just going straight to the extreme. And it's crazy. You, you really see, yeah. I think one of the symptoms, like you talked about, Emily, is uh, there's this outrage, right? And I think that we see that, right? With all mm-hmm. these people who are, I mean, if you think about it, what you just talked about, if you're getting to your late 40s or you're getting to your 40s and you're a woman and you've bought all this stuff that the world's selling you, you've yeah. had abortions, you're, you put off marriage, you put off kids and you're still unhappy, how mad would you be, right? And you're still yeah. looking for that Donald Trump or whoever can be the epitome of what's causing you pain yes. and, and hurt in your life, right? Because it's got to be the government. The the enemy. Yeah, the yeah. patriarchy and white supremacy. And like, well, let's fabricate these yeah. enemies for these people to fight. So that way they don't realize that it's themselves. And mm-hmm. it's us, right? Like speaking as the media, like it's us who's their real enemy, but we don't want to make yeah. ourselves the enemy. So let's use our yeah. resources to give them another enemy to fight against. And you totally. see this outrage constantly. And I think one of the biggest problems, you know, that we see in the church when it comes to responding to this is that we don't have compassion for those people who are outraged. Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you think about all these people who are living this and you, you kind of, you reference that you led me to this thought of speaking about like, if it's this bad for us, Mm -hmm. right? Like those of us who know Christ, those of us who have, Mm -hmm. who we all have access to go to, you know, communion and confession and things like that, but who take advantage of those things, right. Who have a prayer life. When you think about how tough it is for us, the depression that you deal with, Bella, that I experienced recently of just sadness and difficulty. You know what I mean? We were going through a hard time because I was just struggling and the spiritual warfare was real. And it was like, nothing was going right. And it was just like a difficult time, even though it looked like everything was good. Everything was happy, but we were just going through it. I was just like emotional. I was like, what am I? So I'm like, things are so good. Like, why am I so sad? I was like, I just literally am not happy. You know what I mean? And like, was, it was wild. Um, but when you think about how hard they can be for us, we always have to think about that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, imagine if we didn't have the light of the world. Imagine if we didn't have God. And and imagining that for ourselves, and not just imagining, but remembering that for ourselves, mm-hmm. because we were once that, right? We were once lost, yeah. recent times in our lives, years ago, yeah. whatever. You know what I mean? Remembering what that's like, that's how we can actually have compassion and not just say, man, as hard as it can be, to not just say, I hate Kamala Harris, but to be like, <laughs> Kamala Harris is miserable. AOC yeah. is miserable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah. truly unhappy. Like they don't know Christ and it's really, really sad. And yeah. if my heart, when my heart's in its best place, I'm saddened by the fact that AOC is far from God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm saddened by the fact that Bernie is far from God. You know what I mean? That these socialists who are out here advocating for these crazy yeah. things, the founders of, of BLM, you know what I mean? Like we should have compassion for them. And, and it's, it's a step and it's a start. And I think this is where I'm at is, is praying for them out of obligation and duty, but yeah. to actually start to pray for them out of compassion and love is the pinnacle of where we're all called to be. Mm-hmm. And that's just the pinnacle is in like, 
you know, this unattainable, you know, place that we reach, but really the standard that we should be at as Catholics, yeah. as practicing Catholics is not just being, and, and we talked about this back in the BLM podcast is that we should already be ready to have these conversations with people. We should be willing to look at people who are crazy that are out there with, you know, mm-hmm. pink hats on and, and gay pride parades yeah. with the, you know, these gross, you know, yeah. outfits and things like that to be able to look at them. Like the Lord looked at those who were possessed. Mm. You know what I mean? And not saying that anybody says gay pride parade is, uh, gay pride pres- uh, parade is possessed. That's a hard <laughs> thing to say. Gay pride parade possession. <laughs> I'm not saying that. that. Yeah, holy cow. I was determined, though. Did you appreciate my fortitude? (laughs) I fought through. I was embarrassed. But I just drilled. I just put marched on. You did really good. Good job. That was tough. (laughs) Speaking of low points. um, But not saying that everybody there is possessed. That's not my point. But if the Lord God himself can look at actual demons with compassion, like the people who are possessed by actual demons with compassion, Mm-hmm. How much more can I, who used to be a slave to sexual sin, yes. who struggles with lust, who struggles with temptation, look at yeah. somebody who also struggles with those things, albeit in a different way, albeit might be committed to living out and endorsing and, you know, yeah. engaging in those things as much as they possibly can. I'm still a lot closer to them than Jesus was to those who are possessed by demons. hundred <laughs> percent. A lot closer. It's that's, definitely that's called a mirror. Yeah. It's definitely a switch in my head. Um, I struggle with being like angry, angry. Like it's not when it's just, I don't know how to do it often. Um, which leads me to struggle with being confrontational, which sometimes is a negative thing, which hurts me. But I was at this healing retreat recently called grief to grace healing retreats actually really, really cool. Um, and there was this whole day we're supposed to be angry, like show just anger for like the injustices that happened in our lives, right? Like beat up a box and like do these things. And it was like in front of a whole group of people, like you don't even know. It's this whole thing, right? And I could not think of, I couldn't even write an angry letter. I was like, I don't even know, like who am I supposed to be angry at? Like I'm not angry at the people who really hurt me anymore. So like, what do I do, right? With, you know, how do I tap into that? Um, And they just kind of hit me right before I had to like wait till the very end because I seriously had no idea what I was going to say. I had to wait and be like, okay, stand up there, no letter. Everyone had read a letter. I didn't read a letter. And I was like, I'm just going to talk a little bit about like who I'm the most angry at, what I'm the most angry at. And that's like the devil, right? So mm. we have to, it's switching. Instead of being angry at the person, you think where, what's the root cause? The devil, right? He's just twisting and transforming all of these truths into lies in these people's lives, right? And he's really got them good. Um, mm. And in some ways, in many ways, um, very little fault of their own, right? They're born into a situation where they have absolutely no religion. They might have liberal parents or whatever, you know, pro-choice stuff. Their parents took them to like women's marches or pride, whatever, you know, people who just are grown, like they grow up, that's all they know, right? Mm-hmm. We, it's like, we have to start seeing the real enemy, And he loves when we're judgmental and angry at these people. So it's like seeing him as the enemy, being angry at him, and then conversely realizing, therefore, like you said, we have to be more compassionate towards these people, which makes me so frustrated with certain Catholic people that I see go out and just spew anger and hatred or, you know, conservative organizations or conservatives come out politically and are just so hateful towards people. And I'm always thinking in my brain, how are you helping? Where's the help? I think you're, you're really, you're just working right along 
you're you're tag teaming with kind of the one who wants us to be down there at that level right to be unhappy to be despairing all of that stuff um so it's just such a good point that really compassion is key and knowing who to be upset with and knowing what to be upset about and um focusing on the root cause of things and not just hating on people randomly like we don't even know them. They're always someone across. Like right. we don't know AOC. We don't know Kamala Harris. We don't know these people. Exactly. You know. And so why are we so quick to this like extreme hatred and anger for people we haven't met and we don't know much about? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And the best way to fight and retaliate against the devil is personal holiness and yes. evangelizing the world. Mm-hmm. And so yes. go out and get after it. That's the way to do it. Amen. Yeah. Go back to confession. Yeah. yeah. And start learning. Yeah start learning about it too. I went to confession the other day and I was reading through the examination of conscious. And it was like, one of them was, have I not pursued um, education on theology and like church doctrine mm. in the way that I should be? What, it was something like that. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I've never seen that in an examination of conscious. And I think that is probably one of the root causes for so much mm. misunderstanding um, and people falling away from the church. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know about theology of the body as much as I should. I don't know about the Eucharist as much as I should. If mm-hmm. you don't know about these things, why are you going to keep on going back? There's a complete right. misunderstanding, right? But I thought that was so interesting. Like, do I use my time to learn about my faith mm-hmm. as much as I should? And that's just been ever since kind of going, falling away from my faith. And I even texted you about this, Nathan, just like wanting books and wanting yeah. podcasts, wanting to learn more because it's the main reason I think I was like so easily able to just fall away is I am not very well educated. Right. Um, and that's really just so important for Catholics and young people to just really start getting more educated about your faith and what's going on. Amen. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah that's a great point. I really appreciate you sharing that. Cause that is yeah. such a great thing <laughs> to, random, yeah. to think about, you know, and, um, yeah. man, powerful stuff. To think about, you know, have you been studying your faith, learning about your faith, learning about the things that are going around in the world? And, and yeah, just mm-hmm. learning about all of these things that we're talking about, you know, and just yeah. how much I feel so, uh, you know, spirit led to read about these things and learn about these things so that we can yeah. be more formed and see how everything's interconnected and mm-hmm. what's working against us. You know, it's yeah. good to learn about the strategies of the enemy <laughs> if you're in a battle. Exactly. And so yeah. it's really important, but awesome. So uh, I want to close with Bella. If you just tell us where can people find and learn more about restore love? Got it. Yeah. So, um, basic things, Instagram, restore love underscore, and then, uh, online restorelove.org. Very simple. Uh, we have a Facebook, you just look up restore love. Um, and we also have TikTok, which is just also at restore love. Um, those are all the places. And you can also find me on Instagram. It's Isabella Bryant. That's where I do most of my, um, I guess my videos and things that I talk about, whether it's politics, faith, everything's usually on there. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, no, no doubt. And we'll be uh, putting all those in the show notes and everything as well. Um, but thank you guys so much. This was such a blast talking with the two of yeah. I can't wait to do it in person someday. That's definitely exactly. still yes. thank you guys. on the bucket list. Well, thank you so much. Thank you everybody for tuning in and listening today to Seeking Excellence podcast. Subscribe, leave us a review. And go out and be your best.